In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, I want to introduce a uh, little piece of liturgical accoutrement. Uh, that if any other priest in Christendom has one of these, I will be surprised. This, anybody know what this is? So this was made for me by Peter, Claire, and Elizabeth the Kent's kids. What is it? It is a shelf that my stuff can go on. <laughs> so that I get to put right here. So, and I've never spilled anything. Today will be the day that I spill crap. You watch. Um, so thank you guys. I'm so proud of my new liturgical shelf. Thank you very much that uh, nobody's ever done that for me, but. <laughs> well, it's seldom when I start to work on a homily that I, in fact, almost never do I sit down with just a blank sheet of paper. And the, the reason is because I am, um, I'm an Enneagram 5, so... The fact that I'm leading with that, I hope, means that I'm now an actual Nashvillian. When I moved to Nashville, uh, somebody told me, I can't even remember who it was, but before I knew anybody here, they said, within 10 minutes of any conversation in Nashville, people are going to tell you three, they're going to give you three pieces of information. Their ex's name, their therapist's name, and their Enneagram number. <laughs> and they were absolutely right. I mean, this happened more times than I can explain. Uh, so I'm a, uh, I'm a five, I think, and fives frantically gather information. We will research uh, a topic until it's almost dead. And so getting up here can be kind of intimidating sometimes. And I have, want to have considered every available piece of information before I get up and talk to you. So uh, even before I write a word. So I translate all of the Hebrew and the Greek um, because Enneagram 5. Um, I read every book I can find. I do make a conscious effort not to uh, listen to anything that Tim Keller says within the 24 hours of <laughs> preaching so that I don't like absolutely plagiarize everything that he says much. But only when I think that I know it all do I sit down and begin to write. But not this week. This week I went off script a little bit. Broke my habit. And here's why. It's because of the texts. Because of the texts. And not just the propers, the liturgical texts that we have, that we read uh, in the liturgy. But one reason is because of our cultural texts. Our newspapers on Tuesday, the Tennessean had an article that said it is, the headline said it's not safe anymore at all. After shootings, shaken Tennesseans watch backs in public. And then on Friday, there was a, an article in the Tennessean AP uh, piece they picked up that said the cycle of climate change is, acceler is accelerating. The threat of climate change is affecting people's food on their dinner table, making it scarcer and more expensive. And that takes sort of a vague problem out there 
and moves it into our house. Puts it right on the dinner table in your house. The holiest place in your home is the dinner table. Uh, some Jewish families call it the mikdash ma'at, the little altar. So this thing, this vague threat is now inside our home. CNN was, I think, basically ran a loop all week about the ice raids in Mississippi that threw my home state into turmoil. Politicians, I think, intentionally sow seeds of fear. And then the news sells that to us. So when I sat down to write, I only had one question. Do I think we should be afraid? Do I think we should be afraid? Well, the lectionary text, not just the cultural text, but the lectionary texts are kind of scary too. I mean, Isaiah, the, this vision about Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, um, it begins by Isaiah saying, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law, people of Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. That is not a mailing list that you want to be on. <laughs> so Isaiah delivers a broadside attack against his people. Uh, in seminary, I mean, that's what prophets do, by the way. In seminary, I had a professor that wrote a book where he called... Um, prophets in the Old Testament, God's covenant lawsuit messengers. What they do is they bring an indictment against Israel, against God's people for breaking the covenant. And did you listen to what, to the terms of the indictment today? Just listen. He said, this is what Isaiah brings them up on charges for, multiplying sacrifices. Bringing burnt offerings of rams and fat beasts. Incense, Sabbaths, assemblies, even spreading their hands in prayer. They are indicted for this. But that's, those sound like good things. Those are religious things. That's what they're supposed to do. But their religion masks their negligence in the bigger things. In the more important things. Things like justice, like encouraging the oppressed, defending the fatherless, and the widow. So in light of Isaiah, do I think we should be afraid? If you move to the gospel, the gospel almost seems like it doubles down on anxiety. Right? So you've got Jesus telling his disciples that they have to stay awake. They have to be vigilant, keep their head on a swivel almost. Stay up all night, sleep in your clothes, keep your lamps lit. Because you never know when you'll get the knock in the night. If you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be on guard, you'd be ready. And Jesus' last words are, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. So again, do I think we should be afraid? Well, in a word, yes. In a way, yes. There is such a thing as good fear. Good fear can show us where our hearts are. It's like a tell. If you're playing poker, a tell 
will tell the other person by some habit you have what is in your hand. It gives away what's in your hand, where your heart is. If you follow your fears, you'll find your loves, the thing that you value the most. And we should be protective of our families. We should protect ourselves. We should protect the communities we love. And that should lead us to make wise precautions. But fear should not overwhelm and paralyze us. Not if you are a Christian. I'm reading a, um, a book by Scott Bader Sayre called Following Jesus in a Culture of Fear. And he says that we are in need of some clear, sensible reflection on fear. How to acknowledge it without being manipulated by it. How to resist it without assuming that we should or could be fearless. How to receive fear as a gift. This is especially important among Christians who seek to follow Jesus for, and this is the money line, Jesus' words and more so his life do not promise safety following the teachings of jesus will involve us in the risky practices of clothing the naked visiting the prisoner caring for the sick welcoming the stranger and feeding the hungry following the life of jesus will mean walking in the way of the cross it is good for us to be afraid but if fear keeps us from doing the bigger, more important things, then that's not a good fear, it's a bad fear. But if we are afraid because we have not done the big things, if we're afraid because we haven't done the important things, is that a good fear? So I'm, I'm shifting the equation just a little bit, nuancing it, to, to assume just for a minute that we've been slow. We've been slow to do justice, to walk humbly. We've been slow to show mercy, to stand with the oppressed, slow to welcome the stranger, feed the hunger, hungry. We've known that this was what we were supposed to do, but for whatever reason, we haven't. Should that make us afraid? I think the gospel's answer is no. It's no. It's a surprising answer. But Jesus says, fear not, little flock. And did you notice in Luke's gospel, notice what the master is coming to do? I've heard this preached on a hundred times. And it's always like there's this you know, angry master coming to inflict his wrath on the slaves that he's left at home. But in fact, if you read what the master is coming to do, it says that truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt, have them sit down to eat, and he will serve them. The master is coming for his people in grace, not in judgment. And that is why we stand with the weak and the oppressed and the refugee and the prisoner in the first place, not to earn God's favor because we're afraid of him, but because we've had his favor the whole time. One last point. It's about the thief. About the thief that Jesus talked about 
the one that comes when we least expect. You may remember there's a, an old Michael Card song called Why? And it ends, I'm always afraid like he's going to be here or something. Like say, one of the, you know, he lived somewhere in Nashville. Um, but Michael Card wrote a song and it ends with these four lines. He says, why did it have to be a heavy cross he was made to bear? And why did they nail his feet and hands? His love would have held him there. It was a cross, for on a cross, a thief was supposed to pay. And Jesus had come into the world to steal every heart away. There is a thief coming, but it is not the thief we deserve. It is the thief we need. The thief who will come to rob our sin and make us holy. So go into the world and do big things, important things for God. But don't be afraid. Consider that an invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.